Hey, he's Jake, and I'm Matt. And welcome to Pat's Chat, the UK's best New England Patriots podcast. Hey guys, how's it going and welcome to another episode of Pat's Chat. It is myself, Matt, and I have a very special guest, which you will probably have seen from the title of the episode, but nonetheless, he deserves an introduction. Uh, he is the co-host of Pat's Nation podcast with Ryan Spagnoli, who we had on the pod uh, off in pre-season last year. He's also a dad, husband, writer at Pat's Pulpit, which is part of the SB Nation group. It is, of course, Pat Lane. How's it going, bud? Hey man, thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. It's uh, looking forward to looking forward to some Pat's chat. Yeah, well, anytime I get a chat, Pat's chat, <laughs> funnily enough, is <laughs> it's always a good thing, I must say. But firstly, I just I was going to mention, and I think it's something worth mentioning. I wanted to thank you as well for sticking up for the little guy, so to speak. Because um, what was that, two three weeks ago, maybe um, there was. A person who I won't mention their name, but they'll, you know, they're not going to listen to this, but it doesn't matter. I won't mention their name anyway. And you replied to their tweet because they were being demeaning towards other podcasts and people, probably like myself, I guess, you know, it was fantasy football specifically, but he was being a bit demeaning towards it. And, oh, why should someone start a podcast? You know, you're going to get, basically, you'll get like three listeners who gives a crap about you. And you, uh, pipe up and be like hey dude you know what, what are you talking about you know just let people do what they want and dream big if they really want and stuff so no i thought it was pretty cool oh well thanks you know i think look i mean we all you know it's the, it's that whole thing right where it's like everyone has a podcast and and everyone does but like so what you know like it, it you know if you if you enjoy doing it then do it and you know and i think the nice thing about this is that you can kind of do what you want with it I think the people that really want to do well and really are like, okay, I want to, I want to, you know, be as popular as I can be or whatever. They put the time in and, you know, and they see different results. And of course, like it's challenging. Right. And so it's like, it's not like, Hey, I'm going to start a podcast and become famous. That's not going to happen probably. (laughs) But if you go into it, just saying, Hey, I want to have some fun and talk some, you know, and talk some, whatever it is you want to talk about, whether it's, patriots or sports or music or movies or whatever so what you start it and then you have fun with it and i think that that's that needs to be the genesis of it and you know and as far as i'm concerned there's no one should ever be sitting there saying don't do this if you want to do it then do it what the heck i mean especially where there's an opportunity for it and that's one of the things like for me we'll get into like my history and stuff but like you know for me i i didn't write about the patriots back when I was in high school and college, because I just didn't think that I could. I'm like, well, who would ever want to listen to me? Like, why would I write anything? You know? And, and then, you know, I've that changed in the, in the last, you know, three, four years or whatever. And it just like, I just remember thinking back, like, man, if I had done this like 10 years ago, <laughs> like that would have yeah. been awesome. You know, but I just never, I just was like, well, who, who would want to listen to me? Who cares? You know, who cares what I have to say? But I think that, you know, I think that people do care, you know, and, and even if it's just, you have a different perspective or even if you have some of the same perspectives, but you know, I think people appreciate 
other people that are on there. And if you're a good person and people like you, I think that that, you know, that matters and it doesn't matter what other people say. Everyone has a voice. And I think that's like, you see Twitter and everything else. Like that's the other part of it is that everyone has a voice. Everyone has something to say. So you can say whatever you want. doesn't mean anyone has to listen, but who cares if, anyone, if no one's listening? You still have the voice, so you might as well use it, you know? Yeah, no, totally. It was, believe it or not, actually took me roughly about two years to think. I had the idea in my head for that whole two-year span. I think, you know, as you're saying, hey, everybody's got a podcast. Why does someone want to listen to me? And I right. just thought, you know, go for it. If nobody listens, nobody listens. And if right. people listen, great. But at the same time, like, um, last season was my first season of doing it. And um, a friend to me, Nick, um, was doing it with me. and But that kind of tailed off. And um, I started up this season, rebranded it and stuff. Talk, I talked to some people online and things just as the way it seems to be these days. And then um, got in touch with Jake and we chatted and then just came up with the whole patch chat with jake and matt type name for it and rebranded yeah. it and all sorts and you know take it from there and yeah, it's who cares if anybody listens to us or not i get to talk to people like yourself and we get a chat pats at any given opportunity so for me it's all cool yeah yeah it's fun you know and that's that's what it's all about having fun and, and doing something different i think you know it's uh it's cool and again like i said you got the voice you might as well use it what the heck you know yeah exactly and uh, it is it's um the regardless of what your your podcast is um there's probably a lot of hours go into it um regardless and so to talk somebody down about that and just thinks about crap as well really isn't it yeah yep agreed but at the top i mentioned that you're a teacher what is it exactly that you teach i teach uh, eighth grade math so okay. algebra and the beginnings of you know pythagorean theorems i tell my students the pythagorean theorem is the tom brady of math equations <laughs> uh, you know it's uh, that's the one everyone knows you know so is that i'm guessing that's what you um studied at college and stuff is it it is not no it is not i i was a marketing major uh in college okay. and got out got a recruiting job i worked as like a headhunter for two years and i just hated my life i just absolutely despised it i hated going to work every day it just sucked and then my wife is a teacher and one of her friends is like hey we're looking for aids in the classroom, you know, instructional aids or whatever. And so like in the span of, in the span of seven days, in the span of seven days, I started my master's program to become a teacher. Well, I guess, I guess I didn't start it, but I signed up for a master's program to become a teacher. I quit my job and I got a job as an instructional aid, uh, all within like, uh, I don't know, like two months of getting married. So it was like, <laughs> it oh, was wow. like really, yeah, it was, it was really quick. It just like kind of happened. And then all of a sudden I was in the classroom and it, it's, it's funny because it's just one of those things where like you walk in, I walked in day one as an aide knowing nothing and not knowing what, what was going to happen. And I walked in and was like, all right, this is it. Like, this is it. Like, this is what I want to do, you know, because, and, and I think, you know, that quickly, like when you walk in and you're, you're in front of the kids and all of a sudden it's like, go teach, you know? And of course I was just an aide. So I was just in the class and helping other teachers teach, but even still you're there and it can be daunting with 25, 30 kids around, but, I just, for some people, they just love it. And I'm one of those people. And so it's like, it was, it was obvious to me right away uh, that, that this was the job for me. So. Well, that's pretty cool. Cause uh, it was actually something I looked into when I was younger. I've done, gone through various jobs at various times, working through agencies and all that sort of thing. It was always something that we have over here, a guidance teacher is what it's called. I can't remember the 
terminology with you guys, but basically, yeah, yeah, that's the one. And so, you know, you sit there and go, what do you want to do when you're older? And this is the classes that you might want to take and stuff. And I hated English. It wasn't like I hated English as such. It was more the other stuff that come with it. Like I've never understood. And even my daughter's only three and I dread the day that she comes home from high school and going, no, dad, we've got to do this because, you know, you take some poem or whatever and you rip it to shreds and say, why did the, the poet, you know, these, all these Uh theories and all this kind of thing. Like, can we not just teach grammar if our full stops are where comma should be, you know, what order should be in a sentence that to me is English, not this other crap that comes right. with it right. and so I ended up I took English twice two years running failed at both times and but you need English well here anyway you need English to be a teacher so it just it's never worked out but right I've ended up writing about patriot stuff and enjoy that nonetheless anyway yeah, there you go see all worked out yeah exactly so it's not my day job but it's a bit of fun in the in my spare time and in the evening right. and stuff and the wife would say I talk and do too much sport but you know it's it's what it is as would mine but that's the way it goes <laughs> no I did, yeah totally but you know you're i was thinking uh, just as you're chatting there your your accent totally lends itself to being steeped in bostonian culture yep. I, I imagine would you would you be beaten with a stick and pitch poked with a pitchfork running out of town if you decide to do anything else but support the bruins and the celics and probably yeah probably i you know it's uh you know every now and again like i had i had stuff when i was a kid you know everyone has like those random i was like a fan of the panthers not really a fan of the of the carolina panthers but i was just like a fan ish of the panthers so i had some panther stuff and my dad's like the hell are you supporting the fans for i'm like well i don't know it's just they have a cool <laughs> logo you know my favorite basketball player growing up was damon stoudemire who played for to the toronto raptors which was like what like what but i don't know i just i just like the dude but i i always you know the four sports teams in Boston, like that's, you know, I just, I don't know how, yeah, I don't know how you could grow up here and not support them. Now, you know, of course, some people like their families are from New York or whatever or wherever else. So of course they support those teams because their parents do. Right. But we just always did. And, and my dad had season tickets. My dad's had season tickets for the Patriots for basically as long as I, as long as I can remember. Uh, he had a pair of season tickets in 1967 when they played at Fenway. So like, you know, oh, wow. basically forever. Uh, he's had tickets so you know that's kind of in my blood Patriots wise and then you know Red Sox are just the Red Sox it's like you live in Boston you have to support the Red Sox you don't have a choice you know Uh, (laughs) and so you know and and the history obviously with the Garden and everything else with the Bruins and Celtics so it's uh you know it can be a grind sometimes but Mm. uh but these last 20 years have been pretty good to us uh, if you support the four Boston teams so it's uh it's been it's been okay been okay for the most part you know yeah not too bad once that hoodoo was broken with the the red Sox, especially that yep. uh, kind of started to make it a little bit sweeter as well didn't it but it's yeah been, it was wild it's been quite a few years since the stanley cup sadly um the, yeah 2011 they were, they were i thought they were maybe going to do it last year but it just didn't come to fruition in the end oh, but they, they look nasty this year though mm, so yeah, you never know i'm enjoying year. the late nights some nights i'm i thought um because i'm actually um on furlough from work at the moment and okay. um previously i thought i wouldn't be on and i saw the schedule come out and it was like brilliant there's so much ice hockey like if i have a hundred days or whatever it is straight you're getting a game every night I thought brilliant and then i looked at the bruins games i was like ah oh, most of them like um start at midnight here i was like i'm never going to be able to watch those but 
actually managed to watch quite a few of them, which has been good. And yeah, I'm go. enjoying it. They are looking there you go. Um, nice. They are looking contenders, I would, I would think. Yeah. I know yeah. at four Boston teams, uh, there's nobody really recognized the Revs as a, a team with. <laughs> not, not really, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, look, I'm happy for the Revs, but I don't, yeah. I don't fall. You know, soccer for me is fine. I just don't, I never really played it. And I don't really, I mean, I get it, obviously, but I don't like, I don't know. I'm just like, meh, I'm indifferent on the soccer front. So I'd like them to do well. Yeah. And, you know, I, I know obviously they, they play a Gillette and, they, you know, whatever, everything else, but like in craft, the crafts own them and everything else. But like it's, they're just kind of there. They're not, we don't really think about them, you know. Um, but, you know, yeah, it'd be nice for them to do well, but I just don't, meh. <laughs> yeah, I can, I can totally get it. I understand. It. Just I, I guess I take a bit more of an interest in them because of being from here and soccer is our oh, number one sport. Yep. So you kind of gravitate towards it. Even uh, a lot of people would say derisory things towards the MLS, but, but it's right. a decent standard of, of soccer anyway. Yeah. Yeah. yeah uh, you know, it's, yeah. I was sorry. I was just going to uh, say Pat, no. about um, Pat's pulpit. I've known about you guys for quite a while, and over here, I don't know what it is. Um, it tends to be that a lot of people just go to um, what is the the Patriots Unfiltered now um, podcast and chat with Paul and the guys and and mm-hmm. Megan as well. And but for me, I like I quite a lot of people are like me as well, I guess. But a lot of people will like to branch out now and there's yourselves and Mike doing locked on and all that kind of thing. Well, mm-hmm. I was wondering when, do you know, and where did the origin origins of the Pat's pulpit come from? Oh man, Pat's pulpit has been around for a while. They've been around for quite a while. I, I don't remember. I don't know exactly when they started. They've been going for a while now though. SB nation has been, you know, they've had kind of those branches for, I, I, I'd venture to say like 10 years or so. Uh, Pat's mm-hmm. has been around for quite a while. I know that. So, uh, way before I was there, I think I want to say they started around like somewhere between Oh seven, Oh eight, something like that, but I might be wrong, mm-hmm. but I'm pretty sure they started, they've been going for, for quite a while now. Um, you know, and of course started out small, but you know, but has, has grown to, they've grown to a pretty big, we've grown to a pretty big site. Yeah. Uh, I saw the blue check mark go up the other day as well. Mm-hmm. That was awfully nice. A little blue check mark on the Pat's pulpit. That was that was nice. Yeah. So that was kind of uh, cool. You know? Good on you guys for that. And where does where does your involvement come in to like, your journey to being a a writer? Yeah, dude. My journey is kind of funny, man. I uh, was it four years ago now? I guess four years ago now. Jeez, really? Yeah, I guess about four <laughs> years ago now. I uh, I started a podcast with my brother-in-law, and I just like. We literally went, we were, we were going to play wiffle ball at a, at a friend of mine's house. And we were just like chatting in the car on the way over. And we just, he is like, he's the most knowledgeable sports person I've ever met. My He just like, he knows everything about the history of sports. If you ask him a question on anything, he knows the answer. It's unbelievable. The, his first date with my sister, the, she said like, you know, my sister's like, she's like, oh, tell me something like interesting about yourself that no one else you know, that's something like different. And he's like, uh, I can name every Stanley cup participant since 1946. And she was like, what? And he's like, yeah. And she's like, all right, do it. And he's like, okay. And he just did. Like, <laughs> I was like, what the hell dude? How do you, and he just like has this knowledge, like off the top of his head. And he just like, and his buddies will try to like, 
you know, trick him with stuff and like ask, ask him like random trivia questions. His buddy asked him, my sister texted me yesterday because she was like, he got this trivia question right. And it was like, what was the last of the final of the big four teams to fold? And I was like, what? Like, what do you mean? For? And she's like, yeah, just like to, to end, like not to move, but to just like end or merge them team. And I'm like, I don't know. How the hell would I know that? And he's like, oh, yeah, the Cleveland Barons of, from the NHL. I was like, what the hell are you like? He just knows all this random crap. But anyway, so so I was like, dude, we, you know, we talk football all the time. We talk sports all the time. Like, we should start a sports podcast. So we did. We literally that night bought two microphones on Amazon uh, that night. And just like they were there in a few days and we started the next week. And it was like right before the, the NBA draft. And so we're talking draft stuff. And, and I mean, I literally, we were... <laughs> We we're on this process where like we were so low tech, okay, that we would have guests on the show and we would have guests on the show by using my iPad to FaceTime them and then holding the iPad to the microphone. And so <laughs> we were holding the iPad to the microphone and talking. Wow. It was ridiculous and it was crazy. And so, but we had fun. We had fun with it. We had a lot of fun. And then similar to, to, to with you where like, he just kind of wasn't into it anymore. And I said, Hey man, like whatever, no big deal. Don't worry about it. So he dropped out and I just stayed on and started doing my solo thing. Um, and I did that for a while. Um, probably just over a year. I think, I think I got to almost a hundred episodes, uh, in that. And then going into the 2018 season, um, Pat's pulpit was like, Hey, you know, do you want to come over and write for us? Cause so I hooked up with a small, with a small group and started writing for them as well. Um, and then Pat's Pope was like, hey, do you want to come over and write, write for us? And I said, sure. And then they said, do you want to bring the podcast over? And so I said, well, I don't want to bring my podcast over because, you know, it's kind of with this other group, but I'll start a new one with you guys. And then Spags had been a guy that had been at the smaller group that I was at who had jumped over to Pat's Pope before me. And I was like, but I would I'd start one with Spags. And so that's kind of how that started. And so we've been doing that since since the middle of 20, since the middle of 2018. Nice. Um, so we started in like November ish or something like that. So we've been going strong, which is, it's kind of crazy that we've been doing it for so long, but we've had, a, we've had a ton of fun with it and it's been, uh, it's been great. We just do all sorts of like, you know, we've done, yeah, it's been, it's been awesome. And Pat's pulpit is great. The, the guys over there are awesome. Burned is great. You know, he runs, he runs the show over there and they're just, they're just good guys. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? And, um, and so, you know, in the comment section, like that's one of the things I love about it is like the comment section is so good and knowledgeable and like, you know, people are just, people are just, I don't know. I, I just, I just feel like the interaction there is very good. Like people are just like not haters in, you know, in the chat board, people are like actually like giving legitimate commentary and then you can kind of go back and forth with them on stuff. So it's, uh, it's been a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. And so you know, I'm trying to trying to build up the Twitter, the Twitter a little bit more uh, <laughs> lately, too. But, you know, it's just it's just fun. It's just it's been it's been a lot of fun. And it's obviously something I do on the side. But it's, uh, you know, it's I've I've really enjoyed it quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. you were speaking about that on last week's episode with uh, Evan as well, weren't you? About the, the comment section and stuff. And yep. He was obviously um, used to be part of the, the Pat's Pulpit group as well, didn't he? Right. Yep. Yeah, he, uh, I told him he's a graduate, past public graduate. Uh, so now he now he works on the beat, but it's it's cool, and that's that's one of the things about the pulpit, which is nice, is that you know you, you give the fans a voice, you know, and I think that that's kind of the purpose of it is to give the fans a voice. And we're you know yeah we're writers, but at the end of the day, we're really just fans. We're not professionals. We're just writing, you know. And so um, it is uh, it is it is cool. So yeah, that's pretty cool, but. Um... 
you know, yeah, you obviously had Evan on last week and that, but I was wondering as well, how, if there was anything we were speaking about at the top a little bit about just starting your own podcast and stuff, are there any tips that you've picked up along the way that you would share with anyone that wants to go for it and do it themselves? You know, I mean, the biggest thing to me is just, I think, I think honestly for me, it's been, you just kind of do it right. The only way you get better is by doing it. So that means write as much as you can, right? Is that, you know, if you want to write, just write. And then, I mean, you got places to put it, right? So you just write and you just go from there. And then I all, honestly, for me, you know, and you just, the worst thing that someone can say in a DM is no, right? Send the DM, mm-hmm. reach out. Why not? Like, what difference does it make? You know, it doesn't matter who it is. Oh, that person would never talk to me. Well, how do you know? Like, you don't know. Just reach out to them, you know? And that, and I think, and of course, you know, you don't want to get to a level where you're where you're annoying them, right? But like, send a message. Hey, you know, so and so, I like your work. This and that. Would you want to come on and talk on my podcast? And then if they say yes, great. If they say no, okay, whatever. You know, and and I I really think like, and I've gotten some fairly big guests just by doing that because it's just like, hey, reach out and see what happens. And then, you know, the worst they can say is no, and then you say, okay, yeah, no big deal. Or they don't respond, and you're like, all right, maybe you try, you know, two or three times. You know, give it, give it, I usually try to like give it a week or so, and then I'll send another one. And then if they don't, don't respond, I'll give it like two weeks and then I'll send another one. And then I'm like, all right, forget it. Like they're not going to get back. But, <laughs> you know, but it's just, it's one of those things where it's like the worst thing they can say is no, you know? So it's like, you just ask and then you see what happens, you know? And I think that that's, that to me is a big thing. And I think, you know, I've had people say to me things like, oh, thank you for being understanding and for being flexible and stuff. And I, I guess I haven't really thought about it before because I was just like, well, they're my guest, right? But like people appreciate that. You know, when you're nice and kind and genuine, like people appreciate that and they recognize that. You know, that's not something that gets ignored by people. So, you know, you might take that for granted sometimes because like that just might be who you are, where you're like, yeah, well, like that, of course I would act like that, right? But like just reminding yourself of that every now and again, like no one owes you anything, right? Like you're here, no one owes you anything. And the worst thing, like when you deal with someone that, you know, they feel like you owe them something. And I'm like, come on, like, you don't need to act like that. You know what I mean? And every now and again, well, I'll have an interaction with someone like that, that I'm just like, what are you doing? Like, why? You You know what I mean? Like, and I think, I think if you have the, the, the uh, perception that you're a good person and people seem to like you and you're nice I think that can go a long way uh, for people, regardless of who you are. It doesn't matter, you know, who you are and whatnot. And I think you'd be surprised how, you know, it doesn't really matter. And you were mentioning, right, you had Spags on, you had Evan on, you've had Bob on. Like, it's pretty, you know, fairly big names that have been on the show. And it's like, hey, like, I'll come talk Patriots with anyone. You know, like, if anyone, someone reaches out and says, hey, you want to talk Patriots? Sure. Yeah, okay, whatever. I don't (laughs) care if you get a thousand listens or two. It doesn't matter to me. Like, I just want to talk Patriots, you know. And so, and a lot of people are like that, you know. And I think that that's you know, that's something that to me, it's like, don't be intimidated by that because, you know, you never know that, you know, how, how nice and understanding people would be. And I found that since I started my show, I mean, I had a bunch of barstool guys on when I was originally doing my own show. Like I would get like 20 listens a week, but people were like, yeah, sure. I'll come on and talk for a little bit. Like people are just, people are just nice. They're just cool. And they're like, all right, cool. Yeah, I'll come on. And so that's the one thing for me is like, just ask and then worst they can say is no you know yeah i'll i'll correct you slightly i haven't managed to get evan yet but i'm, I'm oh, okay 
I'm trying. Okay. <laughs> yeah, send him, send him a message. He's a good guy. He's a good guy. He's been on our show a few times. He's a nice kid. Yeah, no, I, I do enjoy listening. To him, and I think a lot of people enjoy his um, Twitter feed as well because he's right. got some good content on there, as does Spags and a lot of other guys. But I think probably a lot of people would suggest that Evan stands out above some of the crowd of the other guys right. that are trying to get in about sort of thing. Um, so no, I'd, he's definitely I've, in his was it last week in his uh, mailbag post that he put. I was like, "Do you want to come on the podcast?" Oh, and here's my question. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, you know? Yeah, so um, I do, as you say, you don't want to be too annoying. So um, I ask once every so often, but I know like people can be busy, and that's that's right. totally cool. that's why I don't want to. Um, you don't want to be that overbearing person, and right, uh, like personality shines through eventually so we'll we'll see but no definitely like but bob was one of them i just reached out and was like you're the commentator for the patriots would you like to come on the the show and he was like totally because and it ended up i was the first international person he's actually really uh, but yeah that's really cool that's really cool yeah Get that little a, feathered cap that's nice exactly i was uh, he says all these years i've done sports talk patriots talk through his commentating um, for the navy and everything he was like but you're the first international like show type podcast i've been on and i was like cool i'll take that that's awesome that's really cool yeah his story is awesome i mean telling stories of you know following a, a you know minor league baseball around him mean, that'll really talk about humbling experiences that'll really humble you you know following following a, a a minor league baseball team around you know so traveling on buses and staying in motels and stuff like that's you know but yeah, it's it's cool. And like I said, that's you you don't sometimes it's it's different than what you'd expect it to be, right? People are really nice and they're and they're and they're just they're just genuine people. Um and I think that that's you know, that's something that I think uh can get lost at times because we see them as like, you know, these people that are like fair not not famous, but like, you know, fairly well known and everything. And so of course some people are harder to get in touch with than others, but a lot of people are just are willing to be like, yeah, sure, I'll talk Pats for for a bit, you know, and it's uh, it's pretty cool. Yeah. So talking of Pats, we'll dig into the the postseason first, I think, and the the dust has settled on it, and you know we've finished seven and nine, which was a bit of a a crap year, to, yeah. especially compared to what we've been used to over the the last um, twenty years with Brady and uh, Belichick and that. But how did how did you feel now that it's a few weeks separated from how did you feel about the season in general it was miserable miserable <laughs> it sucked i mean it's just you know like you said it's we're just not used to it you know and, and and watching the team that just just couldn't compete and you just knew they didn't have the talent to compete um you know and at the quarterback position and at the wide receiver position and and of course there were some guys right that you were, you were happy to see I, I thought kyle duggar played very well i thought you know on Wayne, like i thought they had a, a good rookie class in the fact that Duggar played great, Uche showed some real flashes. Onwenu was amazing, and so like they have some guys there, which is good. You know, uh, Gunner obviously has been playing well. Love your uh, your mug, by the way, Jake Bailey. Jake Bailey's my guy, man. Freaking love Jake. <laughs> so uh, you know, Bailey's just he's he's the best part of the league. It's right now. It's it's unbelievable. He, he's he's unreal. And so you know, they definitely have some pieces, but it's like they. You, you know, unfortunately, what happens is that they're missing key pieces in key areas, right? So when you look at a team, you look at the quarterback, you look at the playmakers on offense, the wide receiver and the running backs and the tight ends. 
and right now they're lacking on those. I think the I think the running backs are fine, right? With Harris and Sony, uh, looks like James White probably is going to be gone, but we'll see. I, I think that he might get some sort of Shane Vereen type contract uh, when Vereen left and went to the Giants, or when Deion Lewis left and went to the Titans. I think he's probably going to be in line for something like that. And I honestly don't know if the Patriots are going to match that. They might, they might, because White's an important part of their offense. But, um, but you know, we'll see. But you know, things could be changing there. But for the most part, like what they have at wide receiver, what they have at tight end, and what they have at quarterback stunk last year. And that's what you really focus on. Although that's not the whole story. That's what you really focus on. And, you know, they didn't have it. And so, you know, it was hard to watch at times. It was just hard to watch at times. Um, and, you know, what's crazy about last year is that, you know, they win seven games, but they had the ball with an opportunity to score, to either tie or win the game four other times, four yeah. times, you know, and, and that's, that's a, that's, that's all it could be 11 and five. I mean, think about that. Like that's, they could have won the flipping AFC East if that were the case. So like, that's where it's the, the difference between winning and losing. And it's one of the things that we saw for 20 years in new England is that the difference between winning and losing is so minuscule. And when you have the playmakers that can make plays, you know, and even if it's just starting at the quarterback position, but you got to have it, you know, everywhere else. But when you have the guys that can make plays, those losses can turn into wins. And when you don't, those wins turn to losses. And, and that's what you saw this year with, with them going seven and nine. And, and, you know, again, could have been worse, right? Arizona, they should have lost that game and Arizona choked it away. Right. So, you know, it's the Seattle. I mean, so there's so many different things where you look at it and say, man, like they could have gone 11 and five, they could have gone five and 11, you know? So it just, hmm. and they ended up seven and nine and it just kind of, it's kind of is what it is, you know, and we saw it every year. I mean, for years, as we'd have years where Brady, we'd be like, how the hell did they win that game? They, <laughs> yeah. How'd they win that game? You know, and so, and this year it was like, how'd they lose that game? You know, so it's, it's just unfortunately, it, it is what it is. And, uh, you know, I, I think, I think that what they're building is okay. I think that they have the good thing for me is that I think they have some pieces in place in important positions. Offensive line, I think, is already very good. Um, very good. I think the D line is okay. They have some free agents there that, that they're obviously got to be worried about. I think secondary looks good, although it's aging. So there's going to be some questions there. And obviously the Stephon Gilmore question, you know, who knows what's going to happen with that. So, but I do think that you have some pieces in all those places that you can be happy about. Um, you know, some, some, I, I guess you could say foundational pieces kind of all scattered all over the team. The problem is you don't have it at quarterback. And you don't have it at any real playmaking spots in the offense, right? They, yeah. Like I said, running back fine, but like you don't have a solid tight end, you don't have a solid wide receiver, and you don't have a quarterback. So, though, when you don't have any of those three things, the rest of your team looks like junk because in, t- in the 2020 NFL, you need to have at least two out of three of those things, and they don't have any of them right now. Yeah. And, uh, just when you're um, speaking there, I was thinking about that, with, especially with the quarterback position. Like, It's such an open thing. I saw a thing with Mike Reese earlier that they're exploring everything that a guy, they, even at the, the Trevor Lawrence um, show right. day the other day, that someone there, not necessarily scouting him because we're obviously not going to get Trevor Lawrence, but it just shows what kind of background work they're putting in in this offseason and exploring every avenue whether it's a veteran whether it's they go down the draft route or whatever it might be and um i was listening back to bob and ted's new show the the, the sunday football show and they had phil perry on and he had a, 
an interesting take that I hadn't heard yet that he's if he was GM he would you know go aggressively and probably try and get the seventh pick from uh, Detroit because obviously they've done the trade with Stafford and Goff so they're set at QB so that's not a team you need to worry about for QB sort of thing where right. what do you think you would do and where do you think you would go with it based on now i know we're two a couple of months out well and that's the thing right it's a tough question right it's a tough question i mean i think that i was thinking about today you know dallas i don't know if dallas has the has the cap room uh i was thinking about stefan gilmore right because gilmore's a guy that getting seven million dollars this year obviously not going to play for that right he's going to be 30 as well like are the Patriots going to pay him so he, he might be a guy that gets moved all right well if he gets moved who would take him right you can't trade them to a team that stinks because what the hell are they going to do with them? You know what I mean? Like they don't care because if you're a team like Jacksonville, why the hell do you want Stephon Gilmore? Like he's going to be good. He's he's an elite corner right now, but he's only going to be really elite for the next two or three years. Does that help you if you're Jacksonville? No. So so it's like you know what I mean. So so you you're going to have to trade him to a team that is going to at least think about contending in the next few years. You know, and so who what that team is, I don't know. Right. Then I was thinking, well, you know, could you swing a trade with Dallas and get him to Dallas and then try to pick up that 10th pick, right? Obviously, you'd have to throw in more than just Stephon Gilmore. But like, you know, Gilmore and 46, right? Would that get the would that get the would that get 10? Probably not, but maybe, right? And so, you know, depending on how they value him, of course, right? And so then you say, okay, well, and, and look, I think the the Detroit thing, it makes sense too. Here's the issue with that, right? And and this is the problem. That trade has to be made on draft day, right? And I, and I don't have any problem with that. Listen, if one of those guys is there, and Trey Lance is more, is more of a shot in the dark, he seems like a guy that Belichick is not going to take a chance on that guy, especially with such a high pick, simply because there's so many questions involving him. You do have no idea what he's going to be. He could be Josh Allen or better, and he could be absolutely terrible. You just don't know. And, and there's, there's so many question marks with him, and Bill hates question marks he hates them <laughs> so like i can't he's not the type of, he's not a patriots guy you know he just doesn't seem like it now if everyone else is gone and you're at 15 and you think like hey he could be the guy yeah okay listen if he thinks that i'm fine with it i'd be okay with it i i actually like trey lance but you know you're buying on you're buying a promise basically that may not that may never come to fruition um but as mike reese said today you know they're gonna have to they're gonna have to address this early Right. You can't wait till the draft to address it. And I think that that's so that's an issue. So you're going to have to bring somebody in now who that person is. I don't know. Is it Marcus Mariota? Is it Cam Newton coming back? Is it Jimmy G? Is it, you know, any number of, of different options at quarterback, Ryan Fitzpatrick, whatever it might be. Unfortunately, none of those none of those options are great. Right. None of those options are like, oh, my God, that guy's changing our team. Right. Yeah. They're not. Right. I mean, realistically, I think if Justin Fields would have dropped a seven, I would be a hundred percent on board with the, with the Patriots trying to move up to get him. Uh, I don't know what it would take to do that, but I'd be a hundred percent on board to do that. I think fields is the real deal. Um, I would certainly be okay with that. If Wilson ever dropped to five, even, I mean, do everything you have to do to get that guy, right? Either one of those guys, I feel like could change this offense uh, and change the franchise. If you get a legitimate number one quarterback, the question is, you know, Will that happen? It's it's very possible that Miami, if I'm Miami right now, if I'm the Miami Dolphins right now, I am selling number three to the highest bidder. Hmm. And then those quarterbacks are going one, two, three, and they're gone. And then so then you're like, okay, well, now what? 
you know, and then Atlanta has four. Maybe Atlanta takes a shot on Trey Lance. Like, you know what I mean? Like Matt Ryan's getting old. What the heck? So now those four quarterbacks go one, two, three, four, and they're gone. And now it's like, well, now what? Yeah, we could trade up to seven. Great. But they're all gone. So it doesn't matter. You know? So, so that becomes the issue. So I think that you have to, you have to figure out a, a problem. We have to figure out the, the at least short term solution to the QB problem before the draft, because you can't rely on the draft to fix your QB problem. You could take a shot at a guy like Jamie Newman or Felipe Franks or, you know, even Davis Mills, a guy like that in the third or fourth round. You could do that, but that doesn't solve your problem right now, right? You, you don't know that you're going to get a shot at one of those top three or four guys. You just don't know. And I think Mac Jones would be a mistake for them to go after. I think Mac Jones is fine. And we had a long conversation. Um, we had a guy from PFF, uh, Austin Gale on our show, um, and he we were talking about Mac Jones. And he said, look, Mac Jones is Kirk Cousins. And Kirk Cousins is fine on a good team with weapons on offense, but we don't have weapons on offense right now. So we're going to draft Mac Jones at 15 and then we don't have any weapons for him. What the hell? Are we, what are we doing that for? You know, it just doesn't, doesn't make any sense. So, you know, it just, look, he's fine. I mean, that's, that's the thing is that you're in a spot right now where you need, you either need the guy, like the guy who's going to be a top five to 10 quarterback in the NFL moving forward, or you need to bring in a guy who can at least be a placeholder or be someone that can, you know, help out. And help keep you relevant until you can get that guy, you know, or you just say, screw it. We're tanking this year and we'll, we'll see what happens next year, which Bill is never going to do, no. um, you know, but maybe, and look, Jared Stidham and Spags and I, anyone that listens to my show knows that Spags and I have been big Stidham guys since last year. Uh, you know, Stidham's not out of the conversation. He's not out of the conversation yet. I think any of those guys you bring in, whether it's Mariota, whether it's Fitzpatrick, whether it's Cam Comeback, whether it's Jimmy G, whoever it is, I think you, you're going to see an open competition in camp between him and Stidham. Mm -hmm. Now, can Stidham win that job? I think it's possible that he could. I don't know if he will, but I think it's possible that he could win the job. And then if he does, then you, then you roll with Stidham and you say, okay, let's see what happens. You know, and I think... If you want to second guess the Patriots and what the Patriots said this year, I think you second guess on on that that we had Stidham as the as a, you know a second year quarterback. You should just roll with him. And if he was good, great. And if he sucked, then you're drafting the top five. You know, and that's that's where that's where the second guess could come into play. Um, but as I said, I mean, a few of those games go their way, and they're they're in the playoffs. So like you know, you just I don't know. It's hard. It's hard, but you got you have to address it now. You can't wait to the draft. You know that's that that's really kind of my big thing there is that if you wait to the draft, you're screwed. Yeah, I think that's the way I'm leaning as well because, um, as Evan said, you're hoping that you're waking up or you get it in the middle of the night. Your phone goes off and there's some kind of big trade on opening day that goes right. Here we go. This is our QB because then at that right. point, the dominoes effect comes into fruition that you can then attract X, Y, and Z of the veteran wide receiver guys because you go, look, this is the guy that's in our room. This is who you, who's going to be thrown to you. But if you're trying to, whether it's Alan Robinson, Marvin Jones, whoever you want to pick out of the free agent guys, to say, well, we'll possibly get him, but we're not really sure until, you know, we'll tell you in six weeks' time or four weeks' time when the draft right. opens up. Like, right. how, how can you then attract players and in the building uh, on that sort of concept i just don't think it's possible at all and then you're uh, then you end up scrambling around and you've you're no better off than what you were this year with the guys you've got because you want receivers coming in that are going to improve 
the top end that then improves what's underneath them. But how is that possible if you're, you know, picking up the scraps that's left? And couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. And listen, I mean, money talks, right? Allen Robinson's played with some really bad quarterbacks. He could deal with it again <laughs> if you pay him enough. But mm. like, you know, then you're overpaying everyone to come here to be like, hey, we'll figure it out eventually. But we got to get the wide receivers in. It's like that's kind of backwards. You know, you want you want the quarterback in. And I'll tell you what, I wish, I really, really wish that Sam Darnold had been drafted by any other franchise in the Jets because I would love him here. I think that that trade, I mean, I think anybody, I don't understand why that trade hasn't happened already because if I'm any other team, I'm calling the Jets right now and listen, hey, I'll send you a two and a four for him right now. Right this second, two and a four, let's do it. Because if I'm the Jets, first of all, I'm sending a two. If you don't draft Kyle Wilson at two, you're an idiot. you're stupid. Like you just <laughs> you're dumb. Like there's no one else to draft. You draft a quarterback at two because he's a generational talent. You know you you that's what you do. And Donald looked bad the last two years, but from a Patriots perspective, Donald came in with some real skills, with some real talent. And yeah, he's looked bad the last two years, but he plays for the Jets. You know the Jets stink. And so if you can bring him here, he's getting paid like four and a half million dollars this year. And then he's got a fifth year option, which is like 22 or 23 next year. That's an absolute no brainer for me. You bring that guy in. And if you're able to get him to figure his crap out, you're talking about, you know, a guy that has potential to be a top 10 quarterback in the NFL that you got for a second and a fourth. That's an absolute no brainer. Hmm. You know, but. He plays for the Jets. That's not happening. The Jets are never trading Sam Darnold here. It's not going to happen. I wish it would, but it's just not going to happen, unfortunately. And so, um, you know, I think when they move him, I assume that they will. When they move him, wherever he goes, assuming it's it's a place that doesn't completely bury him on the depth chart like they did with Josh Rosen, I think he could be successful, uh, you know, wherever he goes. And, and that's going to be a guy that could be the steal for someone this offseason is uh, is Sam Donald. And I wish I wish it could be here, but unfortunately, it's just not going to be. No, I don't think so. And I was uh, all this season, I've been writing for NFL Scotland and I was doing all the divisional stuff. And every week I'd watch the Jets and be like, oh, God, this guy again. Like, and then, <laughs> But it wasn't um, until maybe six games in or halfway through the season that you kind of realize you go, it's their line. Their line is terrible. There was no protection for the guy whatsoever. You know, he's then thrown out quick to, to nobody or, you know, out of range of the catcher. He's getting sacked every two seconds. It was almost like watching a carbon copy of the, the Texans with Watson and right. holding too long or you're throwing it too quick. And, you know, neither is a, a good idea. So, <laughs> Yeah, no, I agree with you 100%. And that's, I think he has some potential. Now, again, will he ever realize that potential? Like, you have you have an ability to ruin a quarterback. I think David Carr, Derek's older brother, David Carr, is a great example of that. Guy gets drafted number one overall by Houston. They throw him into the fire. He gets hit a billion times, and he's just never the same. You know, and is, is Darnold the same way now? Has he been ruined? Maybe. Maybe you get him in your system, and you try to have him unlearn everything he learned the last three years. I don't know. I don't know if that's possible, but, you know, I would take a shot at it because the guy's got a ton of talent. So, you know, again, I don't know. I, I don't, I'm not sure. I'm not sure where they're going to go with it. But to me, if I'm the, you know, if I'm any team, I'm looking at Sam Donald saying, we got to find a way to get that guy in our team. 
Uh, and I think the Jets are going to have to deal with him at some point because you don't, you know, it would be stupid. And of course, it's the Jets, so who knows? But like, <laughs> it would be stupid to draft a quarterback or two and then hold on to Donald. It's like, what are you doing? Like, you, yeah. you're not going to re sign him. And so it's like, you know, you might as well. So who knows? I, I don't know what the heck they're going to do. Um, but, you know, like I said, unfortunately, unfortunately, uh, <laughs> you probably won't be here. No. You know, but it could be anywhere else. I mean, who knows? It could be San Francisco. Sam Fran might make a play for him. And if Sam Fran makes a play for him, then they either cut or try to trade Jimmy G. Jimmy G gets cut and ends up here. So, like, you know, that that could be something that works out. So we'll see what happens. But um, but Darnold is Darnold is at the top of my list of guys I'd love to see here next year. Um, I just it's just never gonna happen. I mean, that's not true. If we're talking about if we're talking about <laughs> impossibilities, Deshaun Watson is not number one on my list. That's definitely not so no. I think the Donald thing is more likely than, than the Watson thing. Uh, and neither of them are going to happen. So, you know, but what are you going to do? Yeah. Unless, as you say, it was one of those weird NBA baseball type trades where there's a big medical round and so the guy comes right. back to you somehow. Yeah. yeah. Um, with, so what I was um, mentioning before about Spags and Evan with their sort of Twitter feeds and you know they go through like this guy and that guy and that guy I love reading that because I don't have one the time or two anything else that, uh, from the above list that you want to pick <laughs> that's uh, right. watching college football the time difference you know the best games are usually on like one two in the morning whether it's Alabama LSU or whatever it is and you, you get some decent teams to watch but generally I'll end up watching what was one of the games I watched? Was it Memphis Terrapins or something like Dev Two type? Oh, Maryland, type, yeah, yeah, Maryland Terrapins type thing. And I just like, no, I wouldn't be watching the big teams, but it's, <laughs> right. yeah, it's a Saturday night, so you end up doing stuff with the wife instead. Do you get to watch a lot of um, college football for evaluations? For you know, specific, obviously, this time of year it would be a great thing to have the backup knowledge of what's just gone the past two or three years. I'm guessing. You would think I do. I don't like college football, though. I, I think I don't like it. I just like it's hard for me to watch a game that I'm not invested in. And I don't know any of the players in college. Yeah. And so, like, it's hard for me to, like, sit down and watch the game when I don't know anything about anything that's going on. And I'm like, OK, who's this guy? And who's that guy? And, you know, it's like, oh, hey, you have to watch this guy. And I'm like, all right, you know, I'll watch that guy a little bit. And, and then I'll watch a little bit of it. And I'm like, all right, I, I, I can't do it. Like, it's just. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I'm just not, I'm not into it. I, you know, some people love college football. I'm just not, I'm not one of them. Um, I do try to watch film. You know, we try to get guys, I'm not as good as, you know, Spags and Keegan have been, have been doing like a, a draft prospect. I mean, they have, a, they have like an extensive draft draft prospect list and they've watched film and all these guys and written stuff, stuff down and scouting reports and everything else. I, I'm typically behind the eight ball on that stuff. I usually when once the preseason starts or the postseason starts, I should say, um, you know, I try to get in, get in on some of those guys. I listen to a lot of podcasts um, about, you know, draft prospects and stuff. And I try to watch some film here and there, but I am not a tape eater at all. Like, I'm just not, I'm, that's just not me. Like I'll watch a little bit and I liked, I love those threads too. Cause it shows me like different plays and stuff, but um, you know, it's interesting and it's hard because realistically watching film is just it's it's different for everyone right it's not a linear process because you know some some people will watch film on a guy and say oh that guy looks great and then other people watch the same exact film and they're like that guy stinks and you're yeah. like well wait a second how do you and it's just like what they see and they're looking at footwork and they're looking at breaks and they're looking at this and look at it and i just i don't i just I can't that's too much for me you know what i mean like some of the stuff i get 
and some of the stuff I see and I'm like, okay, you know, but I'm, I'm good at certain things and I'm not good at other things. Right. And so I see guys that like Duggar's a guy that we looked at last year, um, for, you know, for our podcast. Um, and I said, you know, this guy looks like an intriguing talent. Like, you know, he's obviously a small school guy, like who the heck knows, but he looks like he's got the physical tools to, and you put, that's a guy whose film you put on and he played D2. Right. So like you look at it and say, okay, that guy better absolutely dominate everyone. And he put, you put on the film and you're like, holy crap, that guy absolutely dominated everyone. He was the best player in the field. Every time he stepped on the field, he was the best player in the field, which is what you want from a D2 guy. Right. But like, you know, it just, other than that, it's hard to, it's just hard. It's not easy to see. There are guys where it's like, you put the film on and you're like, okay, that guy's legit. You know, like you can see different things and, D lineman and O lineman and stuff, but even the all twenty two, it's still hard to see some of that stuff from time to time. So, uh, I leave I leave the the big time evaluation to the guys that really know what they're talking about. Spags has done a ton of work to become one of those guys recently uh, in the last in the last few years, which is great. He's he's worked his tail off of that, and Keegan is is an up and coming guy like that for sure. Obviously, Evan, like he talked about, has done a, a great job. Taylor Kyle does a really nice job with it. Like, there's a ton of guys that do. Mark Schofield does an unbelievable job. So, like, there's guys that do it. And I'm not one of those guys. And I don't, I don't, I'm not trying to be one of those guys. And so I'm like, all right, I just, you know, okay. I read the, I read the scouting reports and then I watch some film. I'm like, okay, I read the scouting report. I'm like, oh, that sounds interesting. Let me, let me check this guy out. That's kind of, that's kind of my process behind it. Instead of trying to watch everyone, I look at some guys like Nick Bolton's a guy. Uh, he's a linebacker from Missouri. I'm excited about Nick Bolton. I've read everything I've read about him. I like, I've watched a little bit of film. I haven't watched enough to really know. I've watched a little bit of film and I'm like, this is a guy that could help them front seven linebacker, tons of athleticism hits, hits like a freight train. Like he's the type of guy that the Patriots could use, you know? So it's like, I'm going to watch some more film on him to kind of get a better idea, but I'm not like, I'm not like, okay, I have a list of 150 guys and I'm going to watch film. And I just, I just can't, I don't have the time for it. So, um, but there are some guys that do a great, and that's the other part of it. Like you said, there's some guys that do such a great job of it on Twitter that it's like, oh, oh, this guy, oh, look at this. And then they post <laughs> 10 different videos and I'm like, all right, I can watch the whole thing. You know, it's great. So, um, so it makes my job a little bit easier. It sounds like you're me in that respect because I'm that person <laughs> as well. Like I know uh, I've got friends of mine who do fancy football podcasts over here and they watch from, you know, now right. until April and they go through, we uh, for a bit of fun we do a mock draft there's no trades or anything but we do a mock draft either this month or it's going to be next month now and you know we get a bunch of different guys on um who you know i'm obviously i do the patriots and i'll do pick 15 and you know all the other guys do this so it's ends up the pod's about two and a half hours roughly Um, and but no the the guys that host it they are properly into they they've branched out they've got a couple of guys in that do the a specific college football podcast that is then obviously leading into what's to come this year because that it all feeds in obviously and so when you're doing your rookie draft and whatever time you're doing it at you can go well you know Najee Harris is the running back you wouldn't be looking out for and all that kind of thing but I basically leave it up to them or anyone else or jump on threads like Spags does and right I'm I'm like you I've you know I've got family, I've got dogs to walk, I've got a, all the rest of it. You know, I can't do it all, yeah. but you, other guys can. And no, it's just not me either. It sounds your line of the way you go is pretty much what sounds like what I do. I'll, just be, right. I'll watch a bit of this, watch a bit of that. Seen a mock draft, saw like Micah Parsons has been looked at, you know, mocked to, oh, so I'll take a look at him and see what he looks like. And if it's somebody I want to 
you know pursue a bit further i might look a bit further into it but apart from that no i just leave it right. with others as well yeah no it's fun and then you know you have guys like i had a guy like the guy my guy last year was k1 walls he's like the guy i wanted so bad and they they went safe in the second round of course they went dugger instead of k and k1 walls was a third round pick to went to the eagles my two favorite guys in the draft last year were jalen hurts and k1 walls and they both went to philly um but uh Kayvon walls the guy that just screams patriots like smart guy can play all over the field can play four different positions like played slot corner played high safety played in the box safety like did everything in, at clemson and was was a guy who was like a little underappreciated so maybe could have been a top 50 guy but was really looked at as like a third or fourth round pick and i'm like dude this is like everything about this guy screams patriots you know and i was like i want them to draft and of course they didn't but like you know but he's a guy that i was like philly like freaking eagles like god damn it you know so <laughs> but um you know, but it's just, but it's fun. It's so it's fun, like having guys like that, and that's what happens. Is that you watch enough film, and you and you just see a guy, like that's what happened. I read, I just started reading Scudder reports, and I'm like, oh my god, like this guy, he just sounds like a Patriots. I'm like, all right, let's watch some film. When I watch the film, I'm like, oh, this guy, okay, looks pretty good, you know. So, it's um, you know, it, it's 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 fun, but it's it's also it's just time consuming because again, you're not watching. If you're watching film. You're not watching a highlight reel. Highlight reel isn't film. It's just highlights, right? So mm -hmm. it's like the best plays. That's great. But like what you want to see is like what they do play to play. And they have on YouTube, like you can go on YouTube and just find like, okay, I'm looking for, you know, Tyler Shelvin, let's say the D, the D tackle from LSU. I'm looking for Tyler Shelvin film. And so you can like literally type in Tyler Shelvin, like every snap, just type in Tyler Shelvin every snap. And they'll probably pull up. They'll probably have a game or two. LSU, he'll be isolated and every snap. And it's like the game's just there and someone's broken on the film. They've talked about it. And it's like, it's crazy, but that's, and that's what people do, you know? And so you can then watch it and see it and everything else. But it's like, it's a lot to watch every single snap. And then you got to go back. And if you're really watching film, like legitimately watching film, you're not just watching every snap, you're watching every snap like three or four times to like see different things that are going on. So it's, it's a time consuming process. And, uh, and it's something that, you know, that I have decided there are enough guys that do a good job and I, I just don't have the time to, to, to put to it. So of course I'll do some, but, but I'm going to leave it. I'm going to leave the heavy lifting up to the, up to the other guys, you know? No, that's fair. That's, uh, as I say, that's similar to, to my thought process. Yeah. I think it's a, a fair comment. Um, one last question for, well, two last things from me, but one of them is I just wanted you to talk about any of your favorite memories of the Patriots over the years, whether you know we've had the recent success, the, the yeah. Butler interception, the the comeback with the, the Atlanta game, and all that kind of thing. But is there anything that people might have not noticed, or something that you've had in you know when you've been to the stadium, some sort of funny story that you could tell, or anything like that? Well, there's so many of them, and I, I'm going to pick out two in particular. Uh, one of them was 1994. I was 10 years old. It was like my second game ever. Matter of fact, my first game ever was 93. Bloodsoe was a rookie. I was nine. I was going to my first ever Patriots game. And I was so excited to see Brady. Uh, to see Bloodsoe, I'm sorry. And I saw, and he was hurt. And I saw Scott Seacules instead. I was like, you kidding me, dude. Scott freaking. They got blown out by the Oilers, who were quarterback to White Warren Moon. Well, the next year, I went to another Patriots game against the Minnesota Vikings who were quarterback by Warren Moon. So it's kind of funny that it ended up that I, you know, I saw Warren Moon first two games that I was at, but 94, they were down 20 to nothing getting killed. And it was, 
eight seconds before halftime, let's say, Matt Barr is lining up for field goal. Matt Barr was the field goal kicker at the time. My dad turns to me and he says, if Matt Barr hits his field goal, the Patriots are going to win the game. And I'm like, shut up, dad. Like, no chance. And he's like, I'm telling you right now, if he hits the field goal, they win the game. I said, okay, fine. So he hits the field goal. And Bledsoe led them back, actually set the record um, for uh, completions. I think, was it? Completions and passing attempts. I believe the completions record was broken this year uh, by someone, and I can't remember who it was. Uh, who the hell was it? Anyways, Bledsoe went 45 for 70 that, that game. 45 for 70. Uh, led them back. Tied the game right before, right before, right at the end of regulation, 20 to 20. And then we sat, we sit in the end zone. We've always sat in the end zone. And Kevin Turner caught a touchdown pass in the back corner of the end zone to win the game in overtime. And I remember as a 10 year old kid, I, you know, everyone stood up when he threw it and I never saw it because it was in the corner of the end zone and everyone stood up and I missed it, but I got to see it on the, on the replay. I can still see, I can still picture like the close up of him catching it in the end zone. And we just went absolutely ballistic, went nuts. And it was just, it's my favorite memory at the game at, at a Patriots game ever, because it's just like the that significance of like my dad saying it. I was ten; it was my second game ever. Like, and just just how cool it was, and how much fun it was. Like, there's just moments like that that you you, know, you just can't have it, you know. And so it's uh it's pretty cool, you know. And then uh, during one, I was at the Snow Bowl, um, and you know Brady goes in, obviously gets hit, and you know whatever fumbles, and and uh, and we're like, oh, shit, season's over. Like that's it, you know. And um. And they were like, oh, we're going to go review it. And I was like, okay, I don't know what the hell you're reviewing. Which, by the way, people don't remember this, but, uh, you know, the Patriots had no timeouts left. At that point, turnovers weren't an automatic review. The play was the second play after the two-minute warning. If the play had happened three plays earlier, Patriots lose. Because they wouldn't have, they wouldn't have had, you know, they wouldn't have been able to challenge it. Game's over. And so because it was under two minutes, it was an automatic review. So anyways, they review the play and we're sitting there. We're all dejected and everything. And Phil Collins in the air tonight comes on and we like look at each other and we're like, wait a second. Is this, this is going to happen. Like it was just like, it was one of those moments that like you, the, the songs I was playing and like irrationally, we just look at each other and we're like, oh my God, like I think. I think it's going to happen. Like, no way it's really going to happen. But like, I think it's going to happen. You know, we all thought. And then he comes out and says, like, the quarterback's on when we just went. I mean, the place went nuts. And of course, we were losing still at the time. So they had still had to drive down. And Vinatieri had to kick the greatest field goal ever kicked in the history of football. And then they had to get the ball in overtime and then kick the field goal to win the game in overtime, which is pretty cool. So that that game. So Vinatieri, the winning, the tying field goal was uh, away from us. And he kicked that ball so low, it left his foot, and it was. We saw it maybe past the line of scrimmage, and then nothing because it was just it was so snowy we couldn't see anything. Oh wow! And so I just remember like I just remember like him kicking it, and I'm like, oh my god, it's so low. But then we couldn't see it, and so of course, then we're just staring at the at the refs. But you could see the opposite end zone. And the people are going nuts in the end zone. And we're like, did he hit that? And then the rest of their hands like, oh, my God, he hit it. Like, it was crazy, you know. And then the game-winning field goal was in our end zone, which is pretty cool. So, But it was just – it was one of those moments where you just like – there was no way. He came out there and we're like, oh, there's no chance he's going to hit it. And he hit it anyways. And it was just – those two moments for me, just, you know, obviously the snowball game starts everything, right? But it was just uh, – those two moments for me are, are – 
probably my two two most memorable games at uh at, well the first one wasn't at Gillette. Uh, neither of them I guess were at Gillette, but those those are my uh my two my two most memorable Patriots moments. Mm, there's a, a guy in a Facebook group I'm in and he's a Raiders fan and even to this day that game still bugs the heck out of him and I'm just like let go man. Let's Listen go. man, every time every time he says that you just comment one thing. 1976. That's all. 1976. Yeah. Sugar Sugar Bay Hamilton takes a rough in the passing penalty. Uh, no chance. No chance it was a penalty. I think it was like third and 13, or it might have even been fourth down. And they get a 15-yard penalty, and then they're arguing about it. They get another 15-yard penalty, and the Raiders end up scoring a touchdown and win the game. The Patriots are going to win the Super Bowl in 1976, and they got screwed. So they can talk about anything they want, but 1976, Patriots got screwed playing the, playing the Raiders as far as I'm concerned. Uh, you know, it's it's one 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 Super Bowl for one Super Bowl. We'll take it. You know. Yeah, well, I'll keep that one in the back pocket for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but thanks, Pat, ever so much for coming on and um, chatting, Pat's for the last hour. It's been amazing. Um, some insight there for listeners as well. But just before you head off, where can everyone find the website, the Twitter, and all all that jazz? Yeah, yeah. So thanks for having me, man. It's been a lot of fun. I really appreciate it. Um, so we're, you know, anytime, uh, patspulpit.com is, is where you can find my writing. Um, Spags and I host a, host a podcast on the Pat's Pulpit Network. So you just go to anywhere you download podcasts and just search Pat's Pulpit. And we've actually been doing more live shows. We're going to be doing a live show, um, I think, I think actually every week probably uh, if, for the future. And that's obviously, that's going to be on the Pat's Pulpit YouTube page. Uh, and then on YouTube, on Twitter, I'm at P lane underscore pants. So I'm always talking Patriots or telling Jad jokes or, you know, talking about the MCU. So, uh, you know, trying to have fun on Twitter. Sounds awesome, man. And, uh, as I say, thanks ever so much for coming on. I'm sure we'll speak again soon. Yeah. Anytime, man. Anytime. It's a lot of fun. I appreciate it. Cheers. Well, there you have it, folks. That's the end of another episode of Pat's chat. Thanks again to Pat Lane for coming on there for this week's episode. It was a wonderful chat, um, for myself at least, I must admit that. Um, but hopefully everyone enjoyed it listening to that one as per usual. Um, but just the usual, and before we go, it's rate, review and subscribe. Tell all your friends, you know, chuck us a five-star review on Apple or whatever you get your podcast from. Um if you want to find us on Twitter, it's at Pat's Chat UK. If you want to find us on Instagram, it's at Pat's Chat UK. Um, come and have a chat to us. Let Pat know how you think the episode went. If there's any questions you've got for him off the back of what you've heard in the last hour, fire him a message, um, fire him a DM, just at him. And, you know, he's a, he's a good lad, as you've just heard. Uh, so I'll give him a follow. Give... SB Nation a follow, give Pat's Pulpit and especially um, a follow and all Bernd and Ryan and all the guys over at Pat's Pulpit, they do a grand job, Keegan as well and you know spread the Patriots love as they say, or as I say on this occasion, and you've heard enough from me so I'm going to get out your ear holes thanks very much for listening for the last hour or so until next week, we'll speak soon